state championships that happen all in one year like that. It must have been a special class, but you don't see them happen throughout the same year like that. But Cascade had a year like that, and, and I just, like, I'm just so proud to be a cougar, right? And, and it's not always gonna be like that. We've definitely had some down years. And it looks like this year might be a down year. I don't know, we'll see. We won on Friday. I understand that this is pathetic, okay? This is high school. Like, I'm 41 years old. Like, why am I still, still so connected to this? I want, I want you to imagine the trophy case, though, okay? The trophy case is as we go in. I'm not gloating, okay? I, I, don't, I don't wanna be one of those, because we're not even the best at all, right? Like, we had a good year, that's it. But in our trophy case, we're gonna talk about the things that we're particularly proud of, our achievements, okay? These are, these are the, this is like, this is like what we've accomplished. And we've got, you know, robotic stuff and, and band stuff. I didn't realize this. I think we had like a jazz band dominance for a little while. Like I didn't, I didn't even know that was happening, but like a five-year streak of state championships. But when you look in the trophy case, you see this is what we're proud of, our accomplishments. This is what we've made. You guys, do you realize you are God's trophy in God's trophy case? I, I don't, I, I gotta be careful here because I know that, that when I start talking like that, uh, we start talking, uh, we, go, we start going too far in a direction of like, uh, like humanism maybe, or even like too great of self-value. But what, what Ephesians said just a couple of chapters ago, that the reason God saved you is to put on his, display his glory. What is a trophy case but to display the glory? of your accomplishments. And God saved you to display his glory. And what does he wanna be known for? Pastor Matt talked about this two weeks ago. What does he wanna be known for? His kindness, his mercy. You are a trophy in display, displaying God's glory, and what he's showing in you is God's kindness and his mercy. And you're putting that on display. And I don't know how that makes you feel. Think about that for a second. Do you feel like a trophy? Do you feel worthy of that? Maybe you feel overly worthy of that. But you are putting on display the glory of God. And did you know that you were, you were actually not born in trophy state? You didn't look like a trophy until God selected you, molded you, and shaped you, and put you on display. You could imagine that this, this trophy is made out of gold that's been purified and hammered and formed and shaped and put on display. And everyone would say, look at the kindness, at the mercy of God that this person Brandon Haverland, that's me by the way. <laughs> him, he doesn't deserve to be in the trophy case. I knew him in high school. No way he's in the trophy case. Well, people don't know about the molding and the pounding and the purifying that Jesus has put me through, that he would put me on display. That's exactly the point. I don't deserve to be there. My kindness is, or God's kindness is what you see in the fact that I'm standing here today. His mercy is the, 
like I'm, I'm the evidence of his mercy. I'm the most undeserving to be standing in front of you today. I promise you, ask anyone who knew me in high school or a couple years after or works with me or spends any time with me. Ask my wife. She would tell you that I'm the least deserving even still. No, she loves me, but she just knows all of my, my sin, my flaws, right? So what I, want, what I want to show you, knowing that Paul just said we are his trophies, in his trophies, trophy case, displaying the glory of God, that you are his workmanship. I wanna, I wanna touch on two things, or three things actually, who you are, when you are, or where you are, we could use those interchangeably, and how you should live. So the first thing that I want you to consider is that you are in fact his work, workmanship. Let's read verse 10, okay? Not, when I say let's, I mean I'm gonna read it and you're gonna look along with it, it'll be on the screen. I mean we could do it all together, but uh, let's, I will read out loud, you will read silently. Uh, Ephesians 2, 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, I'm gonna unpack that, but I wanna start with, we're his workmanship. Imagine a, 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 a stone builder, carver, taking a piece of marble or granite, a, a hunk, and, 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 and starts chipping away and grinding and, and molding this word workmanship is used uh, in the Old Testament when it talks about like pounding gold into a form to be put on display in the temple. It, it has its, it, its, its origins in the idea of like creating, okay? We've been created, and it's not just, uh, it, this isn't just in the way that God created the world, it, that he knit us together in our mother's wombs, but like took us, from our dead, dead state, made us alive, and, is, and we are his workmanship. He's making us, he's molding us, he's shaping us. What really struck me as I look at this word, workmanship, we, we, we see this word work, the Greek word poi, poema, I didn't say that right, I know I didn't, but I do know this, it's where we get our word poem. This wrecked me. I couldn't believe it. God looks at me and says, I'm making something beautiful, like your art with God by our works before we ever did anything lovely, anything worthy of loving, anything worthy of molding or shaping or crafting, he, he took us and he, he made us alive and he's, he's molding us and he's shaping us and he's putting us on display and we're displaying his kindness and his mercy. Ephesians 2, 1 through 10 is the before and after picture of a Christian. The beginning of it is, you were dead. You were sinful. 
You were hopelessly wicked. You had no ability to choose God, no desire to follow him. But God, being rich in mercy, he poured out his love and he made us alive. He did that. We're his workmanship. He made us. He created us. We call way too many things Christian. I'm not, I'm not trying to like change the vernacular of our culture. I've, I've, I've tried to fight that uphill battle. What was that? This is just, sometimes I have these ideas in my mind. Uh, the movie Clueless, there was a word that they were trying to like make cool. It like wasn't a word. Oh, fetch. Was it fetch? Was that it? Like that's never going to catch on, Becky, or whatever it was. Like fetch, it's not going to catch on. I know that I'm not gonna change culture, right? With like, we need a new word, we can't use Christian anymore because it's totally being misused. But consider this, Christian nation, Christian music, Christian school, Christian ideology. Well, okay, that's not, I mean, I guess that actually, I don't know. (laughs) Christian, in order to be Christian, According to Ephesians 2, you have to be regenerated. You have to have been dead. A miraculous thing that we can't understand. We can't tell where it comes from or where it goes. It happens to us. We're molded. We're shaped. The the spirit of the living God is put inside of you, is living inside of you. Where once was stone is now flesh. You have been made alive. And that's Christian. We're not alone. He really loves us. He's given his spirit that goes with us. He makes us his temple. That's Christian. Can you put America in God's trophy case? Can you put K-Love in God's trophy case? I'm not not saying these things are bad things, but like, should we be calling them all Christian? Does Does that diminish the word, does that diminish the value of, of Christian? I'm a Christian. I'm God's workmanship. And you know what I've been created for? Do you know why God made me in the way that he did? The, way that, the reason he made you in the way that you did? To do good works. Look at the next line. It says, verse 10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, we're in him, union with Christ, it's something we've been talking about, we are created in him, he is in us, we are in him, we are a new creation, the old us is gone, the new us is in Christ, the life I now live, I live by faith. Four good works, created in Christ, four good works. The order here is so important. It's grace first, then faith, then works. It cannot be in any other order. Grace first. Sorry, it's my fault. I didn't do sound check this morning. If I would have done sound check, we would have worked all that out. I apologize. Grace first. We first have to be so offended by the grace of God. that we would dare 
put down our, our, our pride, all of our desire to be self-saving, to have some role in the fact that God saved me, some part of my choice or desire to love God, some part, we, we want to have, we don't want to be owing anyone anything. Like that's, that's kind of what's in us. I don't want to be owing anyone anything. But we've gotta lay all of that down saying, God chose me. He's molding me, he's shaping me for a specific purpose to do good works. It has to be grace first. God pours out his grace. Grace by definition is undeserved, right? Like grace is not getting what we deserve. Well, I guess that would be mercy. Grace is getting what we don't deserve, okay? Grace is getting what we do not deserve. Loving in a way that is undeserved, right? Receiving good when you deserve the opposite. We have a hard time receiving grace if we have this idea in our mind that we're deserving of it. I'm spending, I'm spending too much time on, 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 on workmanship. I really wanna get to where we are. But remember that order. It has to be grace, then faith, then works. We do not gain position, approval with God by the things that we do. But we do work, don't we? It's not as though we put away works altogether because James 2 says, James 2, in verse 14, it says, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Now, James is not saying we're saved by our works, but he says something really interesting. He says, can that faith save him? Wait a minute, James, I thought we are saved by faith. He's saying, can that faith save him? The kind of faith that doesn't have any works. James is arguing that's not faith at all. Works are the proof or the fruit of your faith. He goes on to say, if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warm and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. So we could sit in our Christian holy huddle and talk about our faith, but if we aren't thinking at all about what's outside, that's why our name is Outward Church. We wanna be reminded every time we come through the doors that faith without works is dead. I wanna talk about where we are. This is gonna feel like a hard turn, okay? So I, I, want, you to, I want you to go with me as you consider where we are, I, I, wanna, I wanna make a case here that we are in Babylon right now, we're in Babylon. You're wondering, what does that even mean, okay? I'm, I'm gonna take you to, uh, to Jeremiah 29, you don't necessarily have to go there, I don't even know that we're gonna put it necessarily, well, we'll probably put it on the screen, but I wanna give you a little bit of background, okay? Israel, God's chosen people. He made them into a great nation, and he told them that if you follow me, your life will be full. But if you turn away from me, trouble will enter into your life. 
And Israel worshiped other gods. They deserted God, the God who formed them and made them into a people that established them. And Israel then is exiled to Babylon. Meaning, this great army of Babylon, this is historical truth, you can go and, and, and look it all up. Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, comes into Jerusalem uh, and Israel, all of, all of Israel, grabs all of the Israelites and takes them back to Babylon. And it's not just that. They destroy the temple. They destroyed everything that had been built. Israel is decimated. There's a remnant that remains in Israel. And anyone who is not killed is taken as a prisoner to Babylon. And with great faith, Israel is now sitting in Babylon saying, we're gonna be rescued. Any day we're gonna be rescued and we're gonna be back in Israel. Don't, don't get comfortable here, guys. Don't get comfortable. We're in Babylon, okay? Because, because God's gonna take us back to Israel. Don't get comfortable. This is temporary. God's gonna take us back. God sends a very interesting message through his prophet Jeremiah. Something that, that is not suspected. In fact, they're being told by prophets false prophets, that your time here is gonna be short, don't worry. But the true prophet, God's chosen prophet, to be given God's word to God's people, here's the message that they receive in Babylon. This is mind-blowing. Thus, we're gonna put it on screen. There we go, yeah. Thus says the word of the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your son. We're talking generations here now. Wives for our sons and daughters after we've taken a wife and had a son and a daughter? We're talking about years. God, what's this? Multiply there and do not decrease. Okay, okay, okay. It's gonna be longer, right? Okay, so we'll just form a camp outside of Babylon. This'll be the Israel part. That'll be the Babylon part. Okay, God, we'll take wives, we'll plant gardens, we'll have houses. We're gonna be here a while. Message received. Oh, wait, God's not done but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. What? That's Babylon, our captors, the ones who destroyed your temple, God? Seek their welfare? They are so undeserving. Do you know how awful these people are, God? And pray to the Lord on its behalf? What? For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and diviners who are among you deceive you and do not listen to the dreams that they dream. For it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. So what can we pull from this? I'm gonna make an argument here that we're in Babylon, okay? And that you, in fact, are supposed to build a house, Plant a garden, take wives, have sons and daughters. Okay? What, what do I mean by that?
There are diviners and prophets who would say, and it's true, I mean, Jesus could come at any moment, right? Should we live sheltered, protected, isolated lives because Jesus is coming back anytime soon? Some of us feel we should. Some of us are doing that. But you're his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Why are you here? Is this your home? Is this your Israel? No. If you're a Christian, you are a citizen of heaven, you are already, it says in Ephesians 2, seated with Christ in heaven. It's already now, but not yet. This is not your home. This is Babylon, guys. So one side of the tension of this is, don't get comfortable here. This is not your home. Be ready to leave at any moment. And the other side of the tension there is, this is the best it's ever gonna get. I'm gonna live life to the full. My, my identity is a successful worker with talented kids and a beautiful wife. And life is good. I like this life. Nothing wrong with that life, but are you, tr are you trying to call Babylon your home? Or the other side of that is, you're so disconnected and detached from the place where God has you, you have no opportunity to do any of the works that God prepared beforehand. Do you catch that at the end of verse 10? You specifically are a workmanship created in Christ to do good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God already has a plan for the work you're gonna do where you are, you specifically. Not watch what the church does, you're the church. Not watch what the ministers do, you're the ministers. What if we went to church actually believing what Ephesians says church is for. That church was, was to equip the saints to do the works of ministry. That you, that, that, that you actually believed that you are God's workmanship created in Christ to do good works. So go, minister. What's your ministry? Who are you ministering to? Who are you loving? How are you displaying the kindness and mercy of God? Now don't get it wrong. Don't work so that you have the approval of others or the, the approval of God. Work because you see, man, I'm in this temporary Babylon place and I'm supposed to seek the welfare of it. People totally undeserving seemingly unaware of God and uncaring about what he has for them. And I'm supposed to seek their welfare, pray for them, provide good for them. What return do we have on that? They're just gonna take advantage of, of, of all of the generosity that we give. They're just gonna keep holding their hand out and, and taking and taking and taking and taking. Yeah, 
Ephesians 5 says, be imitators of God. <laughs> okay? Does God hand out generosity, mercy, kindness to people who appreciate it? To people who are deserving of it? I'm not, I wasn't. So if we're gonna be imitators of God, then yeah. But what sustains us in that? Couldn't we exhaust ourselves in that? Wouldn't it be unwise to pour out ourselves in that way? Yeah, maybe. Especially if we're doing it as a part of our justification, approving that, that I'm a Christian. My daughter, we're sitting in the, uh, I pointed over here, but my daughter's usually sitting here, but she's not sitting there. My daughter, she's, oh, okay, there's my daughter. Uh, we were sitting in the car, and she says, I'm gonna go get a little bit long, I'm sorry. I apologize if anybody was hoping for that 25-minute sermon. We have full outward kids now, which means we get to go, we get to be a little bit longer. So, uh, we're sitting in the car. She's like, I want you to hear this song. And, or no, like, let's check out this artist. Somebody told me it's a Christian artist, okay? So it's like, we listen to it, and she's like, oh, I thought this was a Christian artist. I'm like, what makes you think he's not? He's like, well, it just doesn't sound like anything on Caleb. Okay, uh, part, part of the problem of, of calling things Christian, I think, because he, here's what happened when I was a kid. I was told to my family, we're Christians. Haverlands are Christians. We go to church. So I'm like, okay, what does being a Christian mean? I look around and I see people doing stuff. So okay, well then I do stuff. So I'm also a Christian, right? Because I'm doing the stuff and they're doing the stuff. I go to church, I read my Bible, I dress up on Sunday and pretend like I'm a good person on Sunday and just different when other people aren't looking. But that's what we're all doing, right? That's what being Christian is, isn't it? If we're told that that's what Christianity is, working will wear us out. But if we believe that we're God's workmanship, created in Christ, we're sustained by him, we're empowered by him, we're restored by him, and Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Working for Jesus is so easy, because we're yoked to him. Two, two ox with the yoke around the necks and Jesus is pulling and I'm pulling and I'm like, this is fun, you know? And Jesus is pulling the weight. I could, I could try to pull the weight and it will be exhausting. But I'm yoked to Jesus and he created me in him. Me? Me? In him? He's got works that he planned beforehand for me? I'm a part of this? We're in Babylon. So how should we live? Real simple, live outward. We have a little mission statement here. I don't mean to diminish our mission statement. It's our mission statement. We have a mission statement here. Uh, I said little. It's our guiding statement that we pull and pulled from scripture. Matthew 29. Go create disciples who love Jesus and live outward. We've defined what living outward is. 
living outward, we, we kind of put into three categories. We give, we serve, we speak in the home, in the church, in the city. These, this, this life outward, we're working out the work that Christ has prepared beforehand in us starts in the home. It's, it can be exhausting, but there's a perfecting part of that, isn't there? As I endeavor to parent my kids, I basically only ever make mistakes. My sin is constantly being revealed. My pride, my fears, my insecurities, constantly being pointed out as I endeavor to be an imperfect parent. But God called me to it. He says, I want you to be a dad to those kids. I don't know how to do that. I want you to do it. I want you to do it with my help. That's God's perfecting work. He's forming Christ in us as a dad, as a husband, as a wife, as a mom, as a friend. As we're around people, he's forming us. He's perfecting us. He's, he's forming Christ in us. He that began a good work will see it through to completion. How does that happen? I believe, I'll make an argument, through our works. Our works can be damning for us, but our works also can be perfecting for us, okay? So we live outward, we give of our time, our talent, our resources, because we're in Babylon, guys. And the church, by the way, coming in Ephesians 3, is designed to put on display the manifold wisdom of God. And Jesus says in the book of John that they will know that you're his disciples by the way we love each other. Loving each other is the way that we will win the world towards Jesus. Our role in good works is loving each other. Again, jumping ahead to Ephesians 5, it says, love like Jesus loves. Be imitators of God and love like Jesus loves. How do we do that? There's a perfecting process in the way that we serve each other, in the way that we're connected to each other. So here's, here's the invitation. September 11th, we're, we're, we're viewing this as like the, the kickoff for us. Okay, sometimes we match up with the school year or whatever, but like the rhythms of our culture is we're back at church now, right? Kids are back at school, we're back at church. We were out, summer was awesome, summer, summer was beautiful, but now it's back to work. Back to work, back to school, back to church. So we, we, we enter into those rhythms of our culture. So here we are. We're back at church. You guys are all back, okay? So what do we do? How do we hear this? Each one of you, God's workmanship, how do we hear this and not just be a hearer of the word but a doer of the word and respond? Well, it starts in the home for sure. But we say what we believe is next, it's in the church. We love, we demonstrate the kindness, the mercy, the love of God in the way that we work out the one another commands that are found in all the scripture with each other, loving each other, serving each other, so that when a guest walks in the door, they say, see how they love each other? I know that guy. 
I can't believe he's serving in kids. That's a transformed life, that guy's serving in kids. He's giving of his time. So what we wanna do is we wanna, we wanna call you to take some steps. If you're not currently serving, consider serving. I don't have anything to give. You were created in Christ for good works that he prepared beforehand. You have a ministry. And it's, it's in the home first and then it's in the church. Everyone here has a role. You're the saints, your ministry. If you're not in a group, we have different kinds of groups. We've got community groups, we've got equipped groups, we've got, uh, we've got uh, four, two, three communities for those who are uh, struggling with sexual brokenness and addiction. We have communities that are coming alongside each other, supporting each other, being a part of God's work in forming and shaping and molding us into his image. Are you a part of a group? Oh, I don't know, it's uncomfortable, super vulnerable, it's messy, people won't handle my situation, my situation's unique. <sighs> yeah, yeah, I mean, you're, you're, you're being pounded, purified, molded, shaped. This is the kind of friction that forms God's people into being imitators of God. Are you a part of a group? I wanna, I wanna highlight, and, and we might do this in the next couple of weeks. We, we want every single one of you guys to be connected with us, to, to be serving alongside of us, because once we get the church part right, and it's not like we have to wait, and church is not the only thing, it's in the city as well. In the home, in the church, in the city. We're gonna seek the welfare of our city. We've got THX coming where we're gonna endeavor to serve over 300 families, over 2,000 people, deliver a Thanksgiving meal to them uh, on Thanksgiving morning. That's just one of the things that we're hoping to do. We wanna do more. We wanna affect this city. We want people to take advantage of our generosity. We wanna be imitators of God. I wanna highlight areas of service uh, at least this week. I wanna invite uh, Kenzie to come up here. You should have a, a microphone if you don't. So Kenzie's coming up here. She, she is our new children's ministry director. Ma Kenzie, who was our children's ministry director, uh, served faithfully, incredibly, uh, for a couple of years. I actually don't know the in total, total amount of time. Uh, and, and so Kenzie, we thought it'd make it easier for everybody for the transition if your name was as similar to Mackenzie as, as everybody else's. It's really hard to learn a new name. So uh, Kenzie and her husband Joey have recently come on staff and uh, helped, are helping out with youth and you have uh, some, some hopes and dreams for children's ministry and you wanted to share that. Yeah, so I love children's ministry. I'm also doing um, youth ministry so I'm super passionate about kids of all ages. And so what I would love to see happen on Sunday is that every single classroom is open and we have a group for each kid where they are developmentally. They aren't all stuck together um, just because we only have volunteers for that group. I'd love to be meeting their needs and be able to share the gospel and with them. And I'm sorry to interrupt. 
but I have some, some history in, in kids and stuff. What, what you're saying is sometimes because we only have the volunteers, we'll put kindergarten through fifth grade yes. all together in one room and it's fine. We're keeping them safe. We're doing a great job. They're doing great ministry. But if we had kinder and first together, like, like specific activities, uh, smaller groups, real ministry, real seeds can be planted. And fourth and fifth graders do not love hanging out with kindergartners, no. right? And what's really awesome is when we have more, more, uh, more volunteers, we can do smaller groups and more uh, specific mm-hmm. ministry as we're partnering with parents and children's ministry. Sorry, exactly. I hope I didn't That's take okay. any of your no. stuff. No, no, okay. no, you're good. good. But so if we have more leaders, we're able to open up those classrooms and it's super easy to be like, oh, I don't like kids or I don't connect with kids or I don't know how to teach them. But the awesome part of it is there are more roles than just teaching and leading. And also, if you go in to teach, um, you start off as an assistant. You don't have to lead on your own the first time. And you're also never alone. We go with, and so there's always two people in a classroom together. Sometimes you have extra helpers, but you're never alone. And there are more roles than just teaching. And so yeah, there are a lot of opportunities there. Once a month. Mm-hmm. And it's not just leaders. We, we actually have everybody start out as assistants. Join the team. You're not alone. It's always at least two people in every classroom. You get to follow the lead of the one who's, who's leading. There's a curriculum. Activities are planned for you ahead of time. Uh, you just have to care about pouring out the love of Jesus. Uh, and, uh, and then I'm going to tell them now how to get, uh, get connected with that. And, and the face... Kenzie, this is the one that you come and talk to. And give her some grace, you guys. It's really hard to be a children's ministry director. And so she's gonna make a hundred mistakes in the next couple of weeks. And so just just be gracious and encouraging as she walks through that. So yes, thank you, Kenzie. Okay. And, and Pastor Matt, I'm so sorry. I know that I'm gonna get uh, uh, a number of lashings here because uh, I, I have one more thing that I wanna do. Uh, everybody's gonna take out their phones, okay? We're gonna do that. I'm gonna be that guy, okay? So we're going to, we're gonna respond in real time, okay? Now, this is, it's high pressure, I know. If you have a phone with you, take it out. On the screen is a QR code. There is. Uh, there's also a website. If you don't wanna do the QR code thing, you just point your camera at it, it's gonna take you to a website. Uh, and if you're thinking, oh, do we all have to do this? Yes, we all have to do this. I'm gonna go slide by slide. Everybody's doing this. And it's kind of not actually a survey, but I don't know what else to use for the web address, so I use survey. So once you're there, everybody there? It's outwardchurch.com slash survey. I noticed Chris, Chris Porter, she's like, well, but I'm the pastor's wife. Do I have to do it too? Yes, Chris, even you, even you, ourchurch.com slash survey QR code, okay? Whatever, whichever way you wanna do that. Okay, now, the very first screen you see is going to be, oh wait, should we wait? You got everybody? Okay, if you didn't get the QR code, this is high quality graphics. I use, this, I use my old uh, Commodore 64 to put this together. So, uh, so yeah, guy's old enough to know what that is. Uh, let's see, uh, the, this, is the, this is the entry, entry screen. You're just gonna hit start. And, and, and by the way, if, you want, if you're like, I hate surveys and group things, just hit the next button, Chris. So you could pull out your phone and just keep hitting the next button, outwardchurch.com slash survey. Did it work? Is it working? Is everybody there? Okay, so start. And then the next one is your name. Everyone can do this or not. Like if you're like, I hate surveys, I'm not gonna do it, or at least I'll do it anonymously. Fine, do it anonymously. Don't put your name there. Hit next. Phone number is next. Email, don't go too fast, Greg. People are typing in real time. They're type putting in their phone numbers and stuff. I'm not showing them how to do this. We're doing it together. 
I'm sorry if that was harsh. Was that harsh? Was that a little bit harsh? No, but people are putting in their emails. Sometimes people have really long emails. They made it when they were 14 and it's, you know, crazy dog 1147932 at hotmail.com and they didn't ever want to change it. Are we caught up? Autofill should work. I see some people opting out and that's okay, no shame, no shame. Okay, you don't even have to give the email. You could just skip this part, hit next. And then, are you currently a part of an outward group? No shame. We're not gonna, we're not gonna like, like, hey, but why? Yes or no, are you a part of a group currently? Next. Would you like more information about groups? We'll tell you about our community groups. We have community groups that meet throughout the week at different locations, at different stages of life. They're open to everybody. We have equip groups, which is kind of our discipleship track. If you wanna really go intensive with a, with a, a nine-month program and you wanna dive deep with a group of people, we have equip groups. If you're th- struggling with sexual brokenness, click on 423 Communities. If you're a spouse of somebody who's struggling with sexual brokenness, click on 423 Communities. We're gonna reach out to you and we're gonna connect with you and we're gonna say, how can we help? Hit next. Are you currently serving on an outward team? Yes or no? It's fine. Are you on a team? Okay. Hit next. Or don't answer. I don't care. Don't answer. You'd like more information on serving one of those. We, you know what? If we had every single person serving on a team, it would just be fun. Serving would just be fun. It would never feel like work. It would feel like just serving together. And we would, we would like, think about what, what, what we're not currently offering to our brothers and sisters here that we could be offering if every single one of us were serving. Hit next. I have an idea. Are you thinking, what could we do for the city? I have an idea, okay? If if it's not fully formed, say, I have an idea. (laughs) And, uh, and And then I'll call you, and then maybe it'll be formed, and then we can talk about it. Hit next. Oh, that's nothing. What does it say on yours? Submit. Just submit? Oh, I thought there was gonna be another box there. It was gonna be like, uh, like, you wanna talk about anything or whatever, but that's fine. Hit submit, that's all the information we have there. Okay, I, I, got, I gotta land this thing. Matt's back there going, let's go, let's go. Just kidding, he's not. He's like sitting there patiently. But we are at 46 minutes. So, guys, we're outward church. Maybe you're not here yet. Maybe you're not with us. Maybe you just wanna sit and watch for a little while. We're created for work. Once we, once we understand the grace that we've been given, once we understand like, that our faith has been given to us, activated by God, and that he's chosen us for a specific purpose, that we're a living stone, a part of his church, man, don't you wanna walk in that? I do. Let's, let's